Welcome back to the Spark Hub podcast. My name is Alan, and in this episode, I revisit an old friend, Avril McDonald, who created Feel Brave. Now, for the avid listener, you'll realize that uh, not too long ago, I posted my first interview with Avril about Feel Brave and, and the journey she went on, why she decided to create it. But now it's five years later, and we reconnect, and a lot has changed, both for us personally, but at the macro level, since I last spoke to her, there's been school shootings, and there's been terrorist attacks, and there's been a pandemic, and now a war. And so in in all of this turmoil that we seem to find ourselves in as parents, we seek answers. Uh, We try and rationalize the world for ourselves and for our children. And and Avril, frankly, has been dealing with that now full time. She's done well. Last time I spoke to her, it was a bit of a side hustle. Now it's the main event. So um, enjoy this episode with Avril as we talk through how we as parents face and reframe uh, the current world, the current anxieties that we all face, the current anxieties that our children face, and how Feel Brave is trying to help. As always, there's lots of notes in the uh, in the show notes just below this episode where you can find links and deeper dives around Feel Brave. And here we go, Avril McDonald. Hey, Avril, great to great to speak to you again. It's been uh, well, actually, it's been specifically five years because. Uh, I opened your book recently, the books you, you signed for my children, the Feel Brave books, and uh, it was dated 2017 May. So I think uh, that's the last time we spoke. I, I created an episode out of our conversation and your reading, by the way, of, uh, of one of your books. But uh, it's great to connect again. And I think, uh, as is tradition on Spark Hub, can you start with uh, a quote that you're inspired by that relates to what you do? Sure. Yeah, it's great to be here and reconnect with you. I love what you're doing. So a quote from me is, you don't have to have the answers. You've just got to have the conversations. Because when we can talk about our feelings or name our feelings, we can tame our feelings. Oh, I like that. And so, and so just for, um, as a brief introduction, I'd love you to just tell me, I mean, I know the story, but, but how did Feel Brave start? When I first met you, it seemed uh, early stage. And it, it seems like a lot's happened since then in five years. And we can get into that. But what was the embryonic moment for Feel Brave? What were you trying to achieve for the children in your life? Well, so 10 years ago, I began the Feel Brave journey and I turned 40 or I was turning 40. And on a selfish level, I realized I wasn't following my own dream, which was to become an artist of some description. I always wanted to be a musician, but that hadn't happened. I'd always been very creative in my in my work. I was in the corporate world and digital entertainment but when I tur- was turning 40, my heart started knocking. So I realized that I wasn't following my true authentic dream and that was bothering me. And along the way, I'd had children and um, I had suffered from anxiety as a child. I'd been a teacher. Then I went into the business world. So I basically got to a point where I suddenly connected all my dots. I wanted to follow my dream of being a, a, an artist and a creator I'd had children and my daughter had her first nightmare and um, managing that nightmare was very easy for me because of what I'd learned myself with managing anxiety. I just reframed the story for her and I suddenly had a eureka moment and thought, ah, maybe I'm not going to be a musician. Maybe I will write books in, in verse because that's like writing a song and I love to write poetry. I didn't know how to write a book, but I thought I, I'd learned along the way in my business world that what's called the science of achievement, that you can pretty much do anything you like if you just find someone who's doing it and ask them for their recipe. 
So oh, I yeah, thought interesting. I'm, I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to use the science of achievement and connect all of my dots of being a teacher, having anxiety, being able to manage anxiety and my um, love for song and poetry and write books for children that help them manage tough emotions and, and reach their potential and feel brave. Because I thought a lot of parents, you know, you can get, you can buy, buy lots of books on parenting or, you know, the medical side of parenting. You can go to your doctor if your child's sick. But when they have their first nightmare, you know, what do you do? <laughs> it's hard yeah. to find there's the no book. There's no book for that, is there? There's no recipe not, for that. Not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, now there's a lot more books about, about parenting. But I also think, which is probably another whole podcast in itself, that when you do your own work on yourself, um, I don't think you need so many parent books because I think a lot of uh, a lot of problems we can have with parenting is really just uh, things that we haven't been able to integrate ourselves or work on with ourselves. But that's probably another podcast. So yeah, I just joined yeah. all my dots and um, and decided to take the long hard journey, which has been ten years really, mm. for it to really start coming to fruition. But it's been an amazing journey along the way, and I've had to have, have a growth mindset and lots of grit and utilize all of the things and walk my talk that my books teach others about. You have to live it. And, and it's interesting that you were talking about anxiety because as a, just as a mild intervention that I did recently, my, my oldest is, is going to turn 10 in August and my youngest just turned seven in May. And the youngest used to be the most empathetic, emotionally intelligent child of the two, if I may say that, um, because, you know, both every child's different. Not one's not better, not one's not worse, but you can tell some have different skill sets. One is more sciencey and one is more empathetic. Um, anyway, uh, the youngest Rafe, um, just going through some tough, t- tough times recently and, and just having nightmares, as you say. And, um, and, uh, what I did is I, I took out one of your books about the baby dragon and I showed him the story of how you dump out your wor- your little fuzzy worries and help ask people to help you carry them so that you can run faster. And I sort of took him through this story and it, and it kind of helped, but I think he's at that stage where he can't quite articulate what's making him sad. And so I'm trying to coax it out of him a little bit through stories. And some of, some of them are my own, or I tell them stories of my own, or I'll, I'll grab one of your books. And I just try to say, you got to feel brave. you got to feel brave to talk about it. I've obviously been, like anyone, uh, have, have my own trauma that I have to deal with. I, I lost my brother a few years ago to, to suicide. So that, that obviously uh, causes, uh, you know, dark moments for me. But I fight, I fight forward. I try and, as you say, feel brave, which I think is a great uh, uh, name for it, but how do you feel brave? And and that's where the I guess the um, the mystery lies. I think the stories you've written are great. I've obviously have I've got five of your books, um, but I'd love to hear. So if I back up a minute, if ever there was um, since I last saw you, if ever there was a more anxiety inducing event than the pandemic of 2020, when children had to stay home and your house had to be converted into a place of work, a place of living, and a school, uh, you know, all in one. Um, I would think that would have been, I still feel there's a huge, um, what's the word I'm looking for, mental health crisis that might be coming soon because of that, because of the people that were stuck home with their children. It's not a natural state. It's not natural for children not to be with their friends and their teachers. Um, and so I bring that up as, as kind of a, a moment of trauma in our history. And, you know, obviously you didn't know that was happening five years ago, but I'd love to hear what's happened, you know, since since I last saw you, since the pandemic hit, since homeschooling hit, where did where did Feel Brave go in that span, in that time of span? What's happened with the project since since that's happened? 
Yeah, a lot's happened. And what I would say about the pandemic is, yeah, there's definitely a mental health crisis around that and there will be a huge long tail from that that I think we can't know yet. But I think also, and I I seem to go back to this a lot, actually, I think for the parents, it was um, a lot of the children's problems are probably from the parents because I know myself that all of a sudden we'd moved to Australia we couldn't, I couldn't go home to New Zealand and, and I'd spent 16 years in England not being able to be with my family. And when I could finally be close to my family and, and all my plans to then spend lots of time on, on missed moments that I've had in the last 20 years, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And my partner couldn't go back to England. He couldn't go skiing, which, you know, and we couldn't do all of those things that up until that time we didn't realise really made the balance of our happiness and so when those things go out of whack for the parents, all these new pressures come into play and the children are sponges and they pick that up. It's so a huge trickle effect, isn't it? Huge, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, huge impact. That, and, and, I, and I keep going back to this, you know, when we're okay, generally the kids are, are okay. They will have their challenges. But, but, um, but there's so much a, a part of who we are and they feel things we feel and we forget how much they pick up. So I think that's been a massive um, cause of problems as well lots of pressure on parents you know jobs being lost people Mm. for us New Zealanders that couldn't go home for a very long time weren't even allowed to go home um you know losing people overseas that you love your loved ones and not being there that's huge trauma for families so it's it's so huge it makes me it's making me tingle just thinking about um what people have been through so it's been massive but the journey of Feel Brave since I, when I left England, I had been working really hard, you know, for the last 10 years, I've been working on this with uh, a grit and determination that a lot of people say they don't see in many people. I am incredibly determined just because it's my heart calling to do this and I was determined to succeed. So um, I came to Australia and unfortunately at that time, the Christchurch mosque shootings happened and oh. I had, I've always been, my books have always been quite popular in New Zealand because I'm an ambassador there for the Life Education Trust and they use my books in their, in their program and their mobile classrooms around schools. And so a lot of New Zealanders, New Zealand schools know about the Feel Brave work. And when the shootings happened, I'd been in London for the, the, the attacks where we were all on lockdown, the July attacks. Mm. And I remember what that felt like. But when, when the shootings happened in Christchurch, because it was, my home country I actually felt like my own house had been robbed and I had a whole different feeling and I'd been asked by Christchurch schools before to go to Christchurch but I'd never made it there on book tours and so I I felt really compelled to to try and do something and a bookstore there rang me soon after and said hey I've just found your books where can I get them from for the shop because parents are calling from everywhere wanting to know um, what books are good for helping kids with anxiety? And so I told her and, and she said, and do you think you could send some books to some of the schools here? And I said, no, I'm going to try and come. And I'm going to try and come and do a project where, not just to go into a few schools in Christchurch on a small scale, but go to New Zealand and um, go to schools, tell some stories in Christchurch, bring a little film, film crew and record the stories so that Kiwi kids, New Zealand kids can show the world how to feel brave so that it was really scalable. And so I actually got sponsored by Cisco um, oh, wow. who, who, took, who, yeah, were really happy just to do it just out of the goodness of it. And, and that was a great project. And since that work, um, then a firefighter in New Zealand about a year later 
had recognised when his colleague had suicided and the impact on the family that there was really nothing for the children of first responders. And he'd found my work from what I'd done in New Zealand and um, the New Zealand firefighters commissioned me to write a feel brave book for the children of first responders to open up conversations and, um, and give strategies for children in particular who might feel anxious about their parent going away to work, which a lot of children do regardless of whether you're a first responder or not. So this book was really successful because it, there's also a great power in getting messaging through to parents through their children. And my books have very subtle messaging throughout and we know the children love the characters. So I wrote this book and it was so successful. We then rolled out editions for the New Zealand police and we customised them so that they they rep- represent and reflect their personnel and the, uh, the New Zealand St. John Ambulance. And then we rolled out a um, edition for Canadian police uh, because in Canada they seem to be, yay, yay, yay Canada. <laughs> they seem to be really um, committed to emotional well-being, which is great. And then recently, this year, we launched editions for the UK police and firefighters, and um, Prince William actually wrote the forward in those two editions, and they've just recently launched. And we've had other great things like Nick Knowles has done a reading of The Wolf Was Not Sleeping, the UK firefighters edition. So this book is really um, going all over the place. We're about to launch in Texas. We're doing a big launch there later in the year, and there's other states in America which are rolling out, which is hugely exciting because it's just so amazing for me to work with these organisations um, because they have a whole different level of brave. You know, there's lots of different types of brave, and I'm certainly not anywhere anywhere near the brave that that the, that the first responders have. My gosh, I'm in awe of them. Um, but there's another brave, like you talked about before, which is having conversations and. And, and like that quote I, I said, which I often say to parents, is you don't have to have the answers. You've just got to have the conversations. Because um, a lot of parents are afraid to talk about trauma or afraid to talk about death um, because they feel like they need to have answers and we'll never have the answers. We don't know the answers and we never will have the answers. But kids have got to talk about it. And so do adults because when we talk about a feeling, we actually bring it from the back of our brain through to the front and it helps us process the feeling so it's just really having those conversations. So a lot's happened. And then also on a really fun side of it, last year the New Zealand Film Commission um, funded us to make a prototype of the animated adaption of the series because there's always been a lot of broadcasters who have been interested in the animated adaption of the books. And I've been in talks for about five years with with a lot of the key players around the world and they all say it's not a matter of if but when because they know the work's powerful and the creatures are beautiful. So we've now created this beautiful two-minute proof of concept of, of My Stars in the Night poem, which was a, is a little gratitude poem where you think of all the people you love and you stir them around um, in, in a bowl oh like God. a hot chocolate and drink them up. Drink yeah, them. yeah, it's a really powerful gratitude exercise that puts kids in a positive state of mind immediately. And when we practice gratitude, we can't, we don't feel fear or anger or pain. So it's a really amazing resilience building technique to practice gratitude. So we've created that and I'm working with uh, Pukeko Pictures in New Zealand with that. They're the, the uh, Weta Workshop uh, people who are amazing world leaders in animation. So, so there's lots of really exciting things going on and it's such a thrill now to be able to do this for, as my day job because it's That's hard wonderful. as an artist to to do that yeah there's two things that occur in, in what you've just said firstly the the frontline 
you know, police, ambulance and fire. And secondly, the snowball effect towards animation. But I'll start with the first one. So, you know, I look at I in my early life was uh, into policing. I, w- I actually worked as a police officer in Montreal as a cadet for a couple of years oh. um, in my early life. And I thought it was going to be one of the greatest careers in the world. But then I, I managed to go somewhere else and I ended up in business. And, and so my life changed. But I look at policing now and first responders across the board. And, and it's the amount of stress they're under, not just because of the latent anxiety that's been built up around the pandemic, but the health, you know, the worry. It's a huge thing that, as you say, has been been building up um, and, and is going to have effects. And so I don't know how we prepare for that. As you say, there's no answers, but at least we're aware of it, which I think is a good thing. And how do we help, you know, police, firefighters and first responders deal with that? How do we help parents deal with that? And I think fundamentally what I've noticed in the past few years is frankly the conversation piece, which is there's loads of podcasts out there now. There's loads of content out there now. It is a bit messy and fragmented, but there is there is gold dust and all that. And I think that the conversation helps because what I think of when I think of conversation, there's a, a moment in history where conversation changed everything, which was the apartheid in South Africa. And when Nelson Mandela came to power, it, everyone feared he was going to be vengeful uh, or he would enact policies to punish the, 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 call it the oppressors. But he made a very interesting observation, which is that um, those people that were participating as oppressors didn't realize it themselves. And so how do you open their minds to it? Truth and reconciliation. And that's what he ran, which was interviews on both sides. What was it like to be white? What was it like to be black? And it, it, it struck me as by any human metric, that was a, a powder keg. That was going to explode a racial uh, tribal tension was going to explode. And this man who spent most of his life in prison came out and said, let's have a conversation. Let's do truth and reconciliation. And so I I feel that, you know, we probably need a few more of those moments across the board for first responders, for parents, for us to talk to each other. I'm I'm making an effort to speak to the men in my village uh, where I've lived to say, how are you getting on? You know, let's have a fire. Let's sit around and talk because we need to get stuff out. And we've been cooped up. We've been, locked in with our other halves. It's not a natural state for a marriage. It's not a natural state for, for raising children. So I think, I think the truth and reconciliation piece, the conversation piece has been massive in the past few years. The technology's enabled it. There's a lot more awareness now that you can download stuff and listen to it. So I, I, I think there's a grain of hope to counteract what's been you know, snowballing or building as one observation. And then on the other side, it's great to hear that Feel Brave, which to me five years ago was a bunch of printed books, five books that you signed, has now gone in an old term, and I'm going to be dated for it, but multimedia. <laughs> um, and so it sounds now like the, the source material could be turned into uh, currency, conversation currency, as you say, whether it be poems, gratitude, rituals. Um, you know, I'm doing my best with my children. We, we have a little jar where we put written notes what was the best thing that happened to you today? What are the, you know, what are the three things that you enjoy? What are three things that you learned? What's new? Now it gets, you know, we don't do it all the time, but every now and then we just put the iPads away and try it and you'd, you'd be amazed what comes out. Um, and so I, I just kind of wanted to, to, to bring that to your attention. I think there is something that we can do and partially that's why I've rebooted Spark Hub in the form that it's in. I have ambitions to do very similar things to you, but uh, I'm going to take my time and as you say, build the source material first and feel brave is, is a great platform. And it sounds to me like it's been helping the right people. It's going the right places. And if you can get into Texas and the U S and embed feel brave into there, I think that's a country 
like every country in the West at the moment, which is struggling with with identity, with um, you know fear, anxiety. So so we have to, as you say, the best thing we can do is what Nelson Mandela said, which is just get the conversation going and let people know that they're not alone in these matters. Um, and as you say, there is no answer. If you can accept that, by the way, I think I, I've ex- I took mm. a long time thinking I can find an answer. I can do this. I can be. And it's, I hate to say it's a very male trait. You can solve a problem. But you then have to back up and say, no, we kind of got to figure this out ourselves. And by the way, the, the kids are here watching. So let's teach them, you know, to how to get how to process this type of stuff. So yeah, I, and I, also, I, also with, with COVID and, and tough emotions, just as an adult, keeping your kids safe from, from, from certain things, but also being really open about when you are sad or down and then that, that's okay and, 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 how to, and then getting around that. Yes, totally. And so I, I suppose as a, as a final uh, coda to this conversation, I'd love to know, you know, five years ago, you couldn't have imagined where you are now for obvious reasons. Where do you think the next five years of Feel Brave is going to go? Where are you hoping it's going to go? What, you know, what other avenues are you hoping to, to open up now that you're able to do it full time? Because that's the big difference. You weren't able to do it full time uh, five years ago. And it sounds like you've, you've achieved a, a full time status. So you can now put your full force behind it. And I'd love to know what, you know, where you're hoping it's going to go in the next couple of years. Yeah, well, I've written a book. It was it became apparent after the first responder book that a lot of people were saying maybe there should be one for children of military personnel. So I actually very quickly uh, wrote a book and it's it's my best book yet, which is kind of obvious because when you practice things, you get better and better. And I'm really excited about that one. So we're in talks with U.S. military operations and other defense organizations around the world. And this book is about the power that doing something bigger than yourself has in coping and understanding, again, naming a feeling to tame a feeling, the stories we make up in our heads that aren't always true, usually aren't true, and how important it is to check in with with whoever that story might be about to make sure it's true and the power of service. So it's a really, really um, exciting project. So I'm in talks with organizations now about that. There's lots of other organizations that are wanting the first responder book. So working on, uh, on big implementations with that around the world. And obviously I want to hopefully get the funding that we need to bring this animated series together which is many many millions of dollars <laughs> and that's why it takes so long Peppa Pig took nine years apparently to oh, and by the way um, and, and by to, the Simpsons took a, a long time too so if you if you look at Peppa Pigs and Simpsons and all these animated series don't don't think for a second it was overnight success because it wasn't they had to no. chip away prove the material prove the audience prove the demand and eventually someone's going to look at that and go you know switch it on yeah and I think, and, and it's it's nice in a way because looking back, you just, the work's, it's not mature enough. You can only make it mature. It, it only gets maturity with time and the true essence. I remember it took probably more than a year even to come up with little stories about big feelings. That's what feel brave is, you know, to say it in one line, just to get to the true essence of your work and the power behind it. It actually has to be really authentic, and authenticity often takes time. So you can't, fa- you can't I can fast see why track it takes that. Time. 
no <laughs> no and you've got to trust timing and trust yeah. the journey you're on and that what you think you it looks like is usually not what it turns out to be but when you look back you can ah connect the dots and I can see why that led to there or, or someone I might have connected with five years ago suddenly then we're connecting again and you know it's different different timing and dynamic and energy is different and so yeah you just trust timing and trusting I've written a lot of articles about my journey and being brave the brave you need to authentically try and live your dreams and a lot of that is around um, having a really good relationship with failure and that's really hard but I have learned through my journey that it's when I'm in the the real dark shadows or if you know about Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, when you're at the death and despair or the trauma, now I actually see past that and get excited about what's going to birth out of that, even though at times that's been devastating no's I've had or deals that I thought I had that then got fell, fell through. It's just getting comfortable with that. And, and having that growth mindset, which is, again, what the key things that we always try and teach our children. Because that resilience and adaptability is what makes you the, the strongest. I will add uh, one quote to what you just said, which is one of my favorite quotes, which is from Warren Buffett, who is known as the Sage of Omaha. He's, he's known as uh, uh, the, one of the wisest investors in the, wor- in the world. And he says, sometimes things just take time. You can't have a baby in one month by making nine women pregnant. <laughs> yeah, uh, it takes nine good. months, you know, and, and all his business investments are over 10, 20, 30 years. So he doesn't believe that you, you, you know, you make a quick buck. He, he believes that you look at, you know, the, I guess the origin story of a company, what it can produce, what it can, what value it can deliver to the world. And, and then you, you invest in it over the long term, which is clearly what you've done. So whether you know it or not, you followed that advice. And, uh, here we I are had 10 no years choice. later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, listen, Avril, it's great to connect with you again. I really appreciate you coming on the Spark Hub podcast. And I look forward to following the journey again. And, uh, you know, the books are very much uh, not collecting any dust on my bookshelves as I try and uh, pull them out for reference. And, and I, even if the kids don't want to read them anymore, it's the idea of feel brave, just saying that little trigger to say, you know, feel brave and here's why. And it, it kind of gives me a, an excuse, as it were, to to have those conversations. And as you say, I don't have the answers, but we'll collaborate and hopefully we'll figure them out. So thanks for joining yeah, me today. One I really thing, appreciate it. Well, one thing just to add to that too is that yeah. um, these feeling brave and these little, little doses, you, you need to do every day. You need to practice techniques because it's like a muscle. If, you, if you're in a panic attack, you can't just suddenly call on a new breathing technique to drive you out of it or guide you out of it. You have to practice it every day. And that's what Feel Brave is about is what can we do every day that's just small and easy and then becomes part of a a routine that actually helps develop that muscle and keep us strong for the times when we really need to call on it. And we all need to call on it, you know, at times. Um, And it takes us by surprise. But if we've got them in our back pocket, if we've got the tools, then, then we can call upon them and use them and they work. Very great advice. Well, thanks again, Avril. This has been phenomenal. We could probably fill hours and hours, but I think uh, I've got the gist of it. And uh, I'll, I'll definitely um, put all kinds of notes below to links to feel brave for those that want to go a little bit deeper. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. Uh, if you like what you hear, you can dive into a lot more on thesparkhub.com. Thank you.